You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 98th program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that has been dedicated to social change for over 23 years. Mm. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Borrell. Four weeks ago, in mid-April, we talked about a series of five intersecting predicaments currently influencing our societies, indeed our globe, and we suggested some ways of finding our way out of them. However implausible probably some of our suggestions may have sounded to listeners. We talked about, first of all, the pandemic. The second thing was late capitalism and its gross and exponentially growing inequality and destructiveness. Mm -hmm. The third issue was racism and how whites, both socially and culturally, seem incapable to acknowledge their racism. Mm -hmm. And number four, the onslaughts on our our civilization inflicts on our planet. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to expand a bit on this and pick up again what we called the fifth intersecting predicament, war. Mm. So in short, the intersecting predicaments are the pandemic, capitalism, racism, ecology and war. So we could think about it it as five intersecting rings of the Olympic flag. Mm -hmm. Suggesting that talking about one predicament ring involves all five of them. They can only be separated out with difficulty, making them also rather intractable, let alone resolvable. Yeah, for example, two of the rings are the pandemic and late capitalism. In our previous programs, we uh, or program, we talked a little about how the pandemic has exacerbated and exposed the inequities in our system. Actually, we've spoken quite a lot about that. Yeah, that's true. The fundamental in, uh, inequality that our political political economic system keeps maintaining and reproducing. Indeed, it keeps, it, it keeps making it worse. Yeah. This ramping up of inequality. <clears throat> and, and also the exploitation of ordinary people <laughs> that's happened over the last 30 years or so with the supercharging, the supercharging of capitalism. Yeah, one could call it weaponizing of capitalism, a process we often refer to as neoliberalism or economic rationalism. And a lot of people have been talking about this lately. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah, we've also talked about the predicaments of our ecology and the pandemic and how it's largely our encroachments into the natural world that have inevitably brought on the pandemic. And there will certainly be more pandemics erupting. Yeah, or even the current one expanding into Mm. ever-changing mutations. That's right. Yeah. And back to the predicament of late capitalism. Neoliberal inspired and denialist capitalism has certainly been a driver of the encroachments on the natural world in lots of ways, including 
robbing wild animals of their territories and endangering humans in the process. It's just one yeah. species of animal, I should add. That's right. This was all backed up in a World Health Organization report published earlier in 2021. It was it was quite a it has a quite lengthy title, mm. and I quote: "Second report on progress by the Independent Panel for Pandemic Preparedness and Response." Mm-hmm. And as we have discussed in several previous programs, the preventative approach to health care and health promotion, including protection against pandemics, has been eroded. Yeah, if not deliberately defunded and eliminated. That's right. The report really highlights the importance of community engagement, not only in the prevention space, but even in the health response. For example, it noted, and I quote again, community engagement has been a successful strategy to enhance national responses. This has included the deployment of community health workers. Systems for health require a substantive community engagement at every step of pandemic preparedness and response. Mm-hmm. But the World Health Organization report also lamented that community engagement could have been implemented better and that more could have been done taking this approach. So the report said, and I'll quote now, quote, community engagement in the response has not to date been as widespread or effective as it could have been. Civil society actors have proven innovative and resilient in pandemic response. Yet it appears that this resource has been neglected by many decision makers and response institutions, unquote. Yeah, and we have witnessed some eloquent examples thereof, even in Australia, even if that has our country here has done well in as far as control and almost elimination of the uh, infection is concerned. Yeah, and it's ex- it's exasperating for me, but probably not surprising. Why is community engagement, or community development for that matter, always treated as something fluffy and feel good, somehow trivial or some sideline or something you might throw a little pot of money at, um, but so trivial in the general scheme of things uh, compared to other areas of expertise or knowledge like economics or law? Mm-hmm. Or the, like the traditional curative health health approaches, according which run according to the medical pharmaceutical model, for example. Yeah, and where we we have talked about for where mm-hmm. our public funds have been increasingly channelled <laughs> yeah, right. at the expense right. of uh, community health. So even in our public health response, we've known we've known for many years now that health or ill health happens in communities, and and this is. Public Health 101. And this is where health promotion needs to happen in communities. And, and of course, we also need to look at systemic factors in promoting or preventing health. And we know this. Overall, it's not just a matter of going to the doctor or taking medication when you're sick. Mm. Going back to 1986, the World Health Organization had, had their major uh, conference in Ottawa and uh, they... Yep came out with the Ottawa Charter uh, for Health Promotion. One of its five nominated and elaborated strategies was to strengthen community action for health. For 86, health. that is about 35 years ago. So there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it was with both relief and exasperation 
that uh, I read, and I think you did too, Jacques, in early mm -hmm. April, that the Victorian government provided funding for 95 public housing residents to be trained to act as, inverted commas, health concierges to disseminate health information in communities uh, relating to COVID. This was for face-to-face -face communication in 12 different languages, and, and it was really profiled in the media as some novel and innovative yeah. approach. So we have to ask, why wasn't this approach already in place? Yeah, rather than suddenly closing off public mm -hmm. housing t uh, towers in Flemington and surrounding them with police, which is the yeah. opposite approach. Yeah, we already know health promotion has to happen with communities. We already have this knowledge, and we've had this expert knowledge and a series of adequate and funded practices for a long time. Yeah. So on that note, we'll take a short break. We'll go to some music. April 26th by, Mary, uh, sorry, by Barry Mangostine. Last night you were in This I forget that you're not here for my big words and conceit You're here for my company, that thing I keep fucking up And you've caught on to the best way to talk Finally, 
brain all but stopped. The house is freezing fucking cold. The bottom tank is too full to be ignored any longer. I chuck my slippers on. Shuffle across the tundra. Turn to the lounge and kneel before the fire. Last night's coals are huddled there, naked, crackling for cover. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital, and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're continuing a theme that we initiated mid-April, reflecting on the predicaments facing us, and that included the pandemic, capitalism, racism, ecology, and war. Just to have a very quick rundown. And how yeah, they all and, and sharks. Sorry, yeah. I was just going to say no one can accuse us of being afraid of big subjects. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, Jacques, at the end of the program in which we discussed the five predicaments, you talked about the need to relearn meaningful and peaceful or loving ways of relating to each other, ways, ways of relating that we seem to have lost somehow. And you talked about technology is one barrier and I think you referred to social media in that context Um, but I must say at the time I was really thinking about the car and how it has taken us all out of our local neighborhoods. Mm. I live in a two-bedroom Victorian cottage which was built just before World War One, way before the car became affordable for working class or even middle class people. That that big transformation seems to have accelerated during the 1950s after World War II with the mass production of cars, which made them cheaper and within reach of most people, I guess. So people often wonder how people had big families in these small two-bedroom cottages. You know, people often had, it wasn't unusual to have eight children or more even, like six to 12 children in two bedrooms. But the truth is, People weren't in the house all the time then. There were no cars on the road or the street. Children played in the streets. Family members and friends lived nearby. Everyone was in and out of each other's houses all the time. People lived near their work too. There were no cars to take them to the other side of the city or from Geelong to Melbourne or things like that. If someone was ill or out of work, other families would bring cooked food to their door even if it was just a a nourishing soup. Um, And I know this from talking to older people who lived this way at the time. Uh, Even in the mid-1990s, when I was working in community development in public housing, an older public housing tenant told me that uh, she reflected life was physically much harder in the past, but she said somehow it was emotionally a lot easier. Uh, And with our growing material wealth, it really seems that uh, 
a lot of people have become much lonelier and unhappier than they were mm. in the past. Mm. Yeah, I think so. That that you know, and they feel more and more unsafe because they see barricaded within their private private fences, cubicles, or, or, or uh, apartments. <laughs> and again, what we usually call all what you have been referring to, we call that progress. Mm. In think again, as listeners will no doubt have noticed over the years now, we have been discussing those aspects of our predicament several times in past programs, particularly referring to narcissism and pathological sociopathy. Mm. And that's what we should talk a bit more about. Uh, now, particularly the state, or rather the absence of peace and of mutually beneficial ways of coexistence, of coexisting with one another, mm -hmm. and how that contributes to the fifth predicament we mentioned, war. Mm. There are, in the press, growing drums of war kind of uh, note, uh, notions, as some of the conservative press particularly said they had detected. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, of course, also are part of making and drumming the drums of war. Yeah. Somehow, historically now, since the early 90s and the fall of the USSR and its satellites, it was as if the threat of war or the of the, both the cold or the hot varieties, including the nuclear threat, had disappeared from our awareness. Yeah, <clears throat> and there, but there were still the local struggles with echoes mm -hmm. of the inverted commas liberal versus centralised ideals of governance, um, mm -hmm. often framed as democratic versus totalitarian systems. So mm. we still have the, we still have echoes of that, I guess. In that's right. Oh, yeah. Discourse. And, of course, we continue to want to keep control over the Middle East and over other former colonies. We still needed to give us access to the resources we needed. Mm -hmm. We meaning the West, the developed West. But after all, China had become capitalist, as had Russia. Free trade, free, quote, unquote, was going to resolve everything. And whilst we continued the ideological warfare and the comparisons between left and right, it wasn't like real war. Like real war, like in those ones, we still call world wars. And mm -hmm. we keep celebrating year by year on Anzac Day recently. Mm. And then suddenly, seemingly, populism reemerges. China becomes the new power, trying to spread its influence militarily, economically, and by becoming the new promoter of development, particularly in all of those states that hadn't yet become developed, and from mm. which we, the developed West, had withdrawn development support because we needed to save, mm -hmm. including also those states inflicted by the usual environmental disasters, which now are enlarged by crisis caused by global warming and other such predicaments. Mm. So necessitating, um, mm. supposedly necessitating large powers to step in and help them. That's correct, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I guess this is also intersecting the predicament of a war with our uh, predicament of ecology. That's correct. Yeah. After which we probably should have a short break again and continue talking after that. Accent of women. It seems so obvious to me that if you live in a, in a completely violent um, cultural milieu that it's going to translate into every aspect of women's lives. Accent of women. What's a border? They don't see it like a big wall right along the... How can people live ordinary lives when they're living in such an extraordinary situation where there are, two, where there are armies there and terrorists there and such conflict every single day of their lives? Accent women. 
a show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR, 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. We're talking about major intersecting predicaments facing us, including the pandemic, capitalism, racism, ecology and war. Mm, talking about the re-emerging of war talk. Wasn't there Christopher Pine, the previous Liberal Minister a few years ago, starting to spruik Australia as a weapons weapons producer and mm-hmm. trader mm-hmm. and about the opportunities all of that would create for our economy. Mm-hmm. And rather than, after he quit as a politician, moving over to consulting work with weapons producing corporations. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Australia starts to talk about the need to modernize its weapon systems, like like you, what you call these things, U-boats. And then the attacks on China start to pro- proliferate mm-hmm. for the last three, four years. And then we help initiate and become part of the Anglo-Saxon Five Eyes spying organization that watches potential enemies, particularly China, of course. Mm-hmm. And finally, there comes Trump the Trump phenomenon in the US and the, I should add the Boris Johnson phenomenon in the UK. Mm. And your and how are you connecting Johnson and Trump with war in that context? Well, the kind of ways in which uh, Trump was going to make America great again mm. uh, is quite one organisation attacking his, his the, the trading partners of the US mm. and starting to vigorously protest against any move the Chinese would make in the South China, South China Sea, the way in which they're spreading their influence, and why shouldn't they, really, if you think about it? Yeah. So, yeah. And I guess, it, Jacques, it should be no surprise that United Nations is talking about growing world conflicts and, and also threats to our ecology. So mm-hmm. on the 6th of January... 2020, the UN Secretary-General's statement to the press started with this, and I'll quote, The new year has begun with our world in turmoil. We are living in dangerous times. Geopolitical tensions are at their highest level this century, and this turbulence is escalating. Even nuclear non-proliferation can no longer be taken for granted. This cauldron of tensions is leading more and more countries to take unpredicted decisions with unpredictable consequences and a profound risk of miscalculation. At the same time, we see trade and technological conflicts that fracture world markets, undermine growth and widen inequalities. And all the while, our planet is on fire. The climate crisis rages on. In many parts of the world, we see many people frustrated and angry. We see increased social unrest and growing extremism, nationalism and radicalisation, with a dangerous advance of terrorism, notably in Africa. This situation cannot go on, unquote. We couldn't have said it better, could we? <laughs> Very powerful. Yeah. Meanwhile, certain nations balance their economic books by producing and selling arms to other countries. 
The Stockholm International Peace Research Institute notes that whilst the volume of deliveries of major arms between countries did not increase between 2011 and 2020, the international transfers remain close to the highest level since the end of the Cold War. Mm, so is it saying that there's no increase in the volume of mm-hmm. major delivery of arms yeah. um, between two ole- um 2011 and 2020, but but there was an increase in international transfers of arms. A lot of stuff before that was happening through stockpiling and renewing their own reserves. But after that, they started to basically flog the stuff off to Mm -hmm. other countries. Okay. And to continue with the research from the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, their member, Peter Weseman, he said, and I quote, It is too early to say whether the period of rapid growth in arms transfers over the past two decades is over. For example, the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic could see some countries reassessing their arms imports in the coming years. However, at the same time, even at the height of the pandemic in 2020, several countries signed large contracts for major arms. Yeah, and it was supposedly, wow, and it was supposedly, inverted commas, free and democratic, unquote, (laughs) countries of the West that increased their trades and arms. So Mm -hmm. the US, the US remaining the largest exporter with over 37% of all weapons exports worldwide. That's Mm -hmm. incredible. Yes, and they actually produce something like 68% of all weapon production. Mm. Uh, France and Germany increased their export as well, while China and Russia's export decreased. Russia remaining overall the second largest exporter exporter of weapons with about 20%. But also small Israel and South Korea together accounted for 6% yeah. of all world global exports. Wow. So what's going on, Jacques? What's going on is that all the predicaments we have discussed or brought up are intersecting and and that are intersecting. They are actually needing to be addressed. Let's let's talk about racism. Let's think about, for example, the racism in Myanmar at the moment. Mm. Think about post-colonialism and the way in which we understand post-colonialism. Think about the massive economic consequences of our admittedly feeble attempts to adapt, and I'll talk about Australia now, to adapt to climate change. Mm -hmm. The role of Australia in all of this is intricate and very active Mm -hmm. as our troglodyte climate change attitude and indiscriminate, indiscriminate China battering illustrate. Reading Peter Hatcher and Chris Ullman in Nine Entertainment Media are real warmongers. So one could think that it is mostly about political deflection and attention for our internal, of, of yeah, deflection of attention for our internal problems, mm. or is it about reinvigorating the economy by mm. the creation of a war or well, fear? Or both, or both, Jacques. Exactly. So there's so much more to talk about in future programs and we Mm. certainly will not hesitate to do so. Mm. Probably now some community service announcement. I should remind listeners who probably already know because there were several hits, almost 300 hits, to a previous program we did on the Australian uh, Living Peace Museum, ALPM. On the website Uh, alone. Mm. 
That's yes. So please, anyone who wants to see what we try to do or help do in the peace in the peace area, go to HTTP and the usual forward forward slash www dot livingpeacemuseum in one word livingpeacemuseum dot org dot au forward slash omeka o m e k a forward slash the Borderlands has finally finalized its move to uh, 30A uh, Pickett Street. <laughs> People are invited to come and, and visit us in the beautiful Bluestone building we now inhabit. Get in touch and we may start several programs, collaborations, projects, whatever. And it would just be good to see you and to invite you to a cup of coffee. Mm. And I should say our music pick today Barry Mangostine is playing at the Newport Folk Festival on Sunday 27th of June. So that's Barry Mangostine, Newport Folk Festival on Sunday 27th of June. So if you like the music you heard today and want to hear more, you should get along to that. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio. If you want to send us an e- a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au Our programs are available by podcast wherever you get your podcast from and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au And we would like to thank Clive Bourne for technical production and music selection. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, stay tuned for Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and their friends. But just before that, we have World Turning by Yothu Yindi. I've been